You're listening to special programming sponsored by Stovall and Associates Law Firm. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning. Uh, this is Vegas Law Talk. Uh, this is your host, Leslie Stovall. Um, I hope everybody's having a good morning. Commissioner, uh, Richard Siegerblum is my guest today, and it's a real pleasure to have you here uh, visiting with me, uh, Tick. I've uh, known you for many, many years. Yeah, I, th- I hate to think, I was trying to think back when we first were doing it, but we were doing employment law back before there was employment law. We were, <laughs> that's, that's about right. That's about right. <laughs> before there was. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, how you doing? Doing fine. You know, the last couple of years have been something I never dreamed of uh, happening that never even occurred to me that could be a pandemic in the United States. And then to think that somehow or other vaccines would become so evil. And we, you know, and the county commissioner that they, people were coming protesting how wearing a mask. I mean, they were screaming. And, and anyway, so we've been through amazing things, but we're, we're coming out the end. And um, so I'm just real happy. You know, it is wonderful to be able to uh, get back together with folks that you know and to visit. Uh, uh, it, it, it is. It's, it's, uh, makes you feel very optimistic, doesn't it? It really does. And, and really, just a lot of people, I've never actually seen their face. So to actually you see people, oh, oh, that's who that is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. After the last couple of years, right? <laughs> so, uh, and I'm with you. I don't know why anyone uh, could object uh, or would resist uh, uh, vaccines when there was such a high fatality rate with persons who were not being vaccinated. Um, I, I don't get it, but uh, I guess that's a, I guess it's important for some people. I just wonder um, what the thinking is when you run the risk of hurting somebody else or uh, you uh, uh, don't take care of yourself and then somebody, the community has to cover your cost of care, you know? Exactly. I mean, I, I just don't, having grown up uh, when, you know, vaccines were just something automatically you got and never questioned it, hello, and then all of a sudden it becomes... Well, just... when we were kids, I mean, polio, right? Right. Polio was a real threat. Uh, I, I knew, and I'm sure you knew, people who actually suffered polio and uh, crippled from the uh, results of that disease. And uh, every, you'd go down and get your either your uh, sugar pill uh, and uh, or block, uh, Cuba sugar with your vaccine in it, and uh, that was your polio and they, all the other things that kids were required to do. Yeah, and no one questioned it. It was like, this is science. You know, we're a science-believing country. Um, it just the thought that people would question science at this point, after all we've been through, is just just I I, I honestly don't understand it. But because you said that's that's people are there, so it's, we have to deal with it. And what a miracle to be able to ramp up vaccines as quickly as uh, 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 we were able to do it. I, I mean, it's amazing that science uh, could develop uh, effective vaccines in such a short time and then eventually get a good distribution of those drugs, uh, you know? Exactly. I mean, two years ago, uh, we were like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And then uh, literally a year, just a little over a year ago, the vaccines came out and then we're off to the races. So it's just, it, it, it really shows science works, but on the other hand, I guess there's, there's always somebody that's going to say, well, I don't believe it. Yeah, for whatever reason. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. 
Tech, you, uh, I don't think a lot of uh, listeners uh, really know uh, what uh, commission districts are or what the boundaries of the district. Would you tell our listeners what district you represent and what your boundaries are? Sure. So um, there's seven of us, uh, so each one has about 300, over 300,000 people in them. And uh, my basic boundaries are I'm south of Charleston, north of Flamingo, and I go from, say, Decatur to Sunrise Mountain. Oh, okay. So it's, there are huge geographic areas, and, and I have the northern part of the Strip, which is fantastic, but I also have some really cool areas in the, under Sunrise Mountain, and I have some very poor areas, a lot of Boulder Highway. Mm-hmm. So I just have a real diverse area. But the fun part is it's it's mostly unincorporated, so I'm the mayor, I'm the city council person, I'm the garbage collector, I, I do it all. What kind of uh, uh, things have you found? Uh, now, you're... Uh, uh, standing for re-election this time, is that right, correct? Right, actually I filed for office this morning. Oh, well, congratulations. I'm glad you did. It's wonderful. I've, uh, I'm sure you'll be re-elected. I, I think you've, well, uh, not only do I know you and think highly of you, but uh, I know that you've done good work at the commission and in all your public offices. You, you, you have a wonderful reputation. What are some of the things that you look forward to doing um, in the future as a commissioner? Well, um, you know, the first year I was there, um, uh, we st- I started all kinds of ideas, and I was very proactive and thought of new great things to do. And then COVID hit, and so we just kind of, everything got pushed aside, and all we tried to do was just figure out a way to keep people from being evicted, getting their shots, getting sick, uh, get the strip back open. So I mean, we, we really busted our butt, and truly government did a fantastic job. I mean, no one's perfect, and you look back and say, why'd you do this, why'd you do that? But we were just you know trying to do the best we could do with an idea we never even dreamed of so right. but but that now is is coming to an end um while it was going on we did a lot of stuff as far as roads and things but um now my big thing is, is to really focus on housing and and not necessarily in the same breath but but homeless although they're, they're really tied together because as you see um the price of housing is going up and it's going up dramatically uh, then everybody seems to push down one level so if you're in a thousand dollar apartment today uh that's going to be fifteen hundred dollars tomorrow so you have to go down and find a smaller one for a thousand and then when you do that then that pushes somebody out the bottom so uh, you know there's just, just a lot of people on the edge right now and we have to figure out a way to to keep them from becoming homeless which is really scary well homelessness is horrible i i, I can't uh, imagine uh and i don't think most people uh, who are insensitive to this, uh, uh, realize how terrible of a situation that is. Um, uh, in partic- uh, you, you know, when you think of families being homeless, um, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's tragic. What, what, are you, what are your thoughts with uh, addressing homelessness or affordable housing, I suppose, is what you're really talking about? Yeah, well, there's there's a couple of components, but um, affordable housing is just is just going to be something where we have to just build more units. We figure there's 70,000 units short in Las Vegas or Clark County, so we just have to figure out a way to to expedite that process and and, and build them up. We have we have bonds, we have federal money, we have lots of ways to do it, but the process you know takes several years. So what you do in the meantime? Um, but but we're working on that part of it. But the other thing is. Um, let's figure out a way to keep people in the office. So, I mean, if you if you're on a fixed income, say getting a thousand dollars a month, um, and there's a lot of people out there. You know, we're, I'm on Social Security. I'm getting three thousand a month, mm-hmm. or it's twenty five hundred. But um, a lot of people are only getting a thousand fifteen hundred dollars. If their rent goes up two hundred dollars, that's just a gap they can't just immediately 
So we're looking at programs just to pay that extra 200 If we could just say, you know, we'll pay you this, landlord, you cap your thing, and we'll pay that extra 200 and get through a couple of years until we figure out what, what's going to happen. But um, but then the other thing about homeless is a lot of them is, is people who have mental issues, have drug abuse problems, uh, all kinds of things, lots of veterans even that are out there. It's just, just amazing. But um, so we're trying to figure out a way to both find different, we have immediate housing problems, we have intermediate housing problems and long-term problems. But the other thing is just get them in the door rather than go out and they're, they're squatting on somebody's property that's trespassing, getting arrested, which doesn't do anybody good. Let's find a, a what we call a navigation center where we can take them, uh, figure out what their problem is. If there's a, a drug problem or a mental health problem or whatever, we'll try to deal with that there with social workers and doctors and everything. And then move them into some type of temporary housing and then just move them up the ladder. But uh, get them... Get, break the cycle of just going to jail, coming out of jail, break the cycle, which is just amazing. There was one person, I forget how many times he had been arrested, uh, but like 50 times in, 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 in like a, a year period. Uh, the cost of jail is over $200 a day. It's just, right. it's insane. Right. We can just buy him an apartment, just put him in there and save a ton of money. So just things like that where you, know, you have to be creative, but truthfully, we look around the country, no one's really found a good solution. So we're all trying to do something. Do you think the the county will uh, come to the point where it would subsidize housing so that uh, where you see these these huge increases uh, in rent and and people competing, having to compete to find a place uh, by spending more money for rent than you, you would ordinarily expect? Do you think that's something the county is going to do? I, I'm pretty confident we're going to have to. Um, yeah. You know, right now, it's basically if you're being evicted, we'll step in and prevent you being evicted, and we'll, we can actually pay back your rent that you owed and stuff like that. But you don't want people to get to that point, and then when they get to that point, you know they owe several thousand dollars. So that's not really helping anybody. Whereas I said, if we could just step in and just say, here's two hundred dollars a month, and make a deal with the landlord, um, and prevent that 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 fear of of being evicted. You know, one of the things going on nationally that I'm actually looking at, uh, although I you know, take some other support, but there's these programs where people are just given $500 or $1,000 a month. Just, right. And and they look at the, the results and it seems to be very positive that the, the stress level is down for the family, for the kids. I mean, everybody's just able to go on with their life, but just knowing there's that check coming in every month for sure mm-hmm. uh, just really changes their psychological outlook, which enables them to to do whatever I've better. read about that program, and in fact, uh, 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 there was uh, one of the writers uh, who, uh, I don't know if they evaluated or were involved in the program, or they are just reporting on the program, said that there had been this criticism, well, you just can't give money to, to some uh, disadvantaged person because they'll just blow it, you know? And they were reporting that, in fact, people are pretty responsible, that they really do take care of their families, and they really uh, treat that money in a responsible way. Yeah, no, it's, it's the Republican talking points. Oh, they're just going to go out and buy drugs, and be, yeah. <laughs> and the reality is, when they looked at these programs, they, they actually work. And they said it's just well, that's that whole that's that old thing about blaming the victim, right? That right. you heard from back in the Reagan era, right? No, it's, it's mean, even worse. This so the senator from from uh, <laughs> not to digress, but senator from Florida, Scott, just came out with his proposal: is is everybody has to pay income tax, and we're going to get rid of Social Security, we're going to get rid of all these programs, and it's like. 
what world are we living in? Which when the, the rich have gotten so rich, and in the last couple of years especially, right. let's just start to take that back and and spread it around and just make sure that there's a floor under which nobody has to fall. I've never understood this idea that people who who are at a disadvantage should be punished. I don't understand that idea. Why is it that you would do that to another human being? And and if you want to talk about economics, why would you impose that cost on your community? You know, like public housing or subsidized housing or providing adequate uh, uh, funds to be able to feed your children or health insurance, because the cost of not providing those things cause such extraordinary costs down the road. It, exactly. It, it it's pe- penny wise and, and pound foolish because it, when you don't, when people are afraid to go to the doctor because they don't have a guaranteed health care, right. uh, then they wait till it's too long and then, then we're off to the races. They're going to end up at UMC or some hospital where we, we're paying for it anyway. And then they're going to die. Their family's loose. <laughs> um, they don't have that income support. Just like we're deporting people, some guy gets, he's an undocumented, he's here with his family, he, he gets a DUI or something, they, they just deport him, so then that takes away the breadwinner from the family. For the then family. The family, then the kids get separated from the mother, um, and then the, anyway, it's just, it's just, just insanity. It's just, you couldn't design a stupider system than what we use. Well, and, and it's true, and I, I the, the ACA or, or healthcare seems to be just a real simple way of looking at it. If you're not insuring people, where are they going to go? Who's going to pay for their critical care when they become really ill? It's going to be more expensive taking care of them because the illness has progressed. Uh, they haven't had primary care. And who pays for it? It's the community. And who benefits from that? Well, uh, the community doesn't. Our community doesn't because we end up having to pay for it, you, you, you know, eventually. No, absolutely. But it's... So, so why not insure them? I, it, it makes no sense to me. Medicare for all. It's just it's such a simple concept. Every other country can do it. Canada can do it. I mean, Canada's sure. just like, literally you can walk across a line and, and everybody there has health insurance. You walk back to the United States and people are, are running around trying to, you know, having these medical bills then they're having to file bankruptcy. Well, what do they do? They go down to the emergency room. Right. Right? And where do they go? They go to UMC. UMC, the county hospital, or they go to some other hospital, and all that does is burden the the private hospital with costs that they shouldn't be burdened with in the first place. And what about rural Nevada? Rural Nevada historically has had trouble getting medical care and provide medical services to people living out in the rurals because lack of insurance or, you know, you you look at Tonopah, their community (laughs) hospital, right? I mean, it's gone into bankruptcy in the past because nobody had insurance up there to pay for the services that they critically needed. Yeah, and then if you went in and actually saw how people vote, I'm sure 90% of the people in Tonopah voted for Trump. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that's the other side of it, you know? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, by God, we're individuals. I'd rather die <laughs> from an illness, you know, and have you pay for it than, yeah. you know. It's I just don't. like the vaccine. I'd rather <laughs> die than take the vaccine. But yet when I get the COVID, you know, I'm the first one in the hospital and I'm not... You know, yeah. somebody else is going to have to pay for it. Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't make sense. I, I, I don't I don't get it. Uh, uh, hopefully those things will change, though. At least we have the ACA. Uh, at least our state has uh, accepted the Medicaid uh, to, to his credit, Brian Sandoval, the Republican governor, yep. just said, yes, we're going to do that. And that, that there's hundreds of thousands of people that are on Medicaid right now because of that. And then we have the you know, Affordable Care Act, too, which is about 100,000 people. But it's... So we're, we're one of the top states as far as that goes. 
And it's really benefited the state financially, Absolutely. hasn't it? Absolutely. Our rates we pay the poor doctors are so low that, that we need to raise those. But, but the truth is, no one goes, and if you go into UMC, they will sign you up for Medicaid right then. So there is a financial aid coming from the federal government. Um, but you're still afraid to go to a doctor to start with. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and people wait until they get yeah. very sick. So um, the uh, mental health uh, seems to me to be one of the areas that Clark County could really improve services on. Um, uh, uh, my dear friend who's passed away, uh, Norton Reutemann, uh, uh, and I had, had many conversations about the lack of uh, adequate uh, mental health uh, services here. He in was Clark one of the County. few psychiatrists in Las Vegas. Yeah. Oh, and he was, uh, I remember when he came, he was the first board certified uh, pediatric psychiatrist that came in and he worked with a lot of uh, children uh, groups uh, on that issue, but it still doesn't seem adequate uh, when you have uh, uh, people who need services. Uh, has the county uh, addressed that in any way? Well, we, again, we, we have social services, so we can provide some of that. But it's it's not nearly enough, and 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 you know you can't just go to a, um, a psychiatrist or a psychologist and get treatment. You have to then qualify for Medicaid, and then if you're undocumented, you, those services aren't available. And we have the huge undocumented population in Las Vegas that are that are out doing the work that we want them to do. I mean, this town need dry, done. right? This this town <laughs> would dry up in a second without the undocumented population. But you know, it's again one of those things where we can do better. But we are, and that's the one thing that I didn't appreciate what the county does. The county provides all that. Cities don't do any of the social services, uh, and so so we are doing that. And the medical school now has started to step up. Mm-hmm. So there are things happening, but it's we can always do better. So well, it just seems call. like, and and this is just from my perspective. Uh, uh, I don't know uh, if anyone shares this view, but it just seems like mental health has been criminalized. What happens, uh, and you know, in our neighborhood, uh, you see people. Uh, because if, I think UMC is there, it's a, a facility for healthcare and mental health, uh, tr- uh, acute mental problems. Uh, you see folks that are obviously mentally ill, and I see them, uh, it seems like uh, they're being uh, arrested and uh, that uh, our system criminalizes the mentally ill when what they really need is mental health intervention and care. Yeah, and, and for example, um, so you're out there, uh, you have a prescription whether you're taking it or not, uh, but you're homeless, you get arrested, you go to the jail, the jail cuts off all of those drugs. At some point, when you're in the jail, they, they reevaluate you, uh, and then they give you a new prescription, but then you leave the jail. We don't give you a prescription when you leave the jail, so right. then we then you're back in social services trying to figure out what the hell. So now we're trying to create social worker teams within the jail, so when you are when you come in, we find out what you're on and make, make sure you stay on that while you're in there. And when you come back out, then we make sure that you're back in the system so there's, you never lose your medication or you never lose your doctor because that, that just was is another stupid thing we do, but that's just jail was some kind of off limits. So we, we when, once we took you to jail, we lost you. But it, it's, you know, the, and then you have, and you'll see this all the time, there's a homeless person who just finally exhausts from heat or whatever, so they collapse. Who shows up? The fire department and then the private medic, private, private um, ambulances. What do they do? That, that's $1,000. They take you to the UMC or to some emergency room. That's at the 5000 okay. or whatever. When, in fact, if we just had social workers who could come deal with the problem, take you to an intermediate care 
um, some type of a facility where you, we could we could just re, re you know, get your back on your re, get your back on your meds. Yeah, med- <laughs> medication rehydrate you. Um, just you, you, again, you couldn't design a stupider system than the way we we do Medicare and mm-hmm. me- medicine and and how we treat people that don't have insurance. Yeah. Yeah, and and it would seem to me that if you had a better mental health intervention and mental health services from you know th- that followed individuals, uh, you would reduce uh, criminalization or incarcerations. You would reduce uh, all the problems that go along uh, with uh, folks that have that, and plus it'd be more humane. I mean, it's just horrible. It's yeah. horrible. And, and just just to, to take it a little farther, so one of the things I'm also working on is you know, we have a horrendous uh, um, opioid um, addiction, but more importantly, overdose problem where people, yeah. you know, th- thousands of people are dying. So uh, around the, the country, um, and hopefully we can bring it here, is we're trying to have a place where if you have opioid, some type of opioid, you can bring it into this center. There'll be doctors and nurses and people there. And so if you inject... And something happens. There's somebody who can treat you right then. Right. So we don't give you the drug. You have to find the drug somewhere else. But at least you can go in there and get treatment um, if something happens. And then if you're there, hopefully we can then say, "What can we help you with this? Can we help you with that?" Because just the the people and you and I both know, you know, family members or or people close friends who've had these opioid problems. They had a surgery. Something happened. They get addicted. They spend their whole life. everything they own they mortgage their house trying to get these people back into rehab and the truth is a lot of people just don't don't rehab that well so that's right it's just, just cost of again it's just stupidity and and uh i uh, uh have wondered about uh the adequacy of the settlements that have been negotiated uh with uh, the pharmacy companies that have uh, promoted uh, the use of opioids, and opioids uh, uh, were well known to cause uh, death, and particularly when they started mixing them with uh, benzodiazepines, uh, that's Xanax, you know, and uh, in fact, the FDA came out, I'm trying to think how many years ago it was, five, six years ago, where they actually black-labeled that combination of drugs because it caused uh, 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 respiratory arrest. Uh, people just keel over and, and wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't yeah, stop that, breathing. That one family, the Sackler family, which is Purdue Pharmacy, uh, basically invented um, opioids as far as taking the pills, and they're they're going to give us uh, sixty billion or whatever it's going to be. But but as part of the settlement, they we agree and we're not going to prosecute them, even though there's emails showing that they knew exactly what they were doing and addicting this huge number of people and kept hiring people to go out and promote it and, and entice doctors to, to prescribe it. You know, if there's some kid out here on the corner selling uh, uh, heroin and killed somebody from uh, the sale of that drug, they would uh, have him up uh, for uh, murder. Uh, why Why would you treat uh, somebody who owns a pharmacy company different? Yeah. And and especially when they've, they've killed as many as they have. Exactly. When they <laughs> killed millions of people. Jeez. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, it's kind of like uh, the oligarchs in uh, England, right? They own soccer clubs, and uh, there they are killing everybody in Ukraine, but they don't want to take the soccer club away from the guy. Going to let him yeah. sell it. Yeah. Well, Does it make sense? I don't know. There's lots of injustice, so we can't live yet. we got, we got lots of work to do. Well, you just keep working on it. Isn't that right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah? And that's what's so much fun. I mean, not, not to enjoy pain, but the fact is there's so much to do, and Las Vegas particularly, 
um, so much to do, but also Vegas is small enough that you can actually see a little bit here and there and, right. and say, well, you know, but for me, that wouldn't have happened. So it's very fun. You know, you and I were talking about education uh, the other day when we were uh, talking about uh, uh, having you on the show. Uh, I know uh, your mother was an educator. Uh, my family were all educators. Uh, it's a wonderful profession, but I sometimes, uh, well, I have for a long time felt that educators simply aren't compensated adequately. Uh, and there's not enough money in the education system uh, today to uh, uh, to teach our children. And, and the, result, the, the evaluation of our system seems to indicate that too. No, absolutely. And the reality is the teachers that we grew up with they don't exist anymore. They, you know, now you have to be all things. I mean, with two families, two, two, both parents working, and, and all the problems that go along with that, um, the teacher is, is as much a disciplinarian and a social worker, and so it's just we've, we've, and then we have all these tests they have to give and all this homework that they have to take home and grade, and and it's just the teaching profession is just a killer profession, and we we pay them nothing, they're peanuts. So it's just how do you how we attract anybody to education? I have no idea. Well, uh, most of the teachers I've ever known are so dedicated; um, they're committed to. Uh, their, their profession, the education of young young people, and uh, and they're wonderful. Uh, I don't know how um, uh, uh, they, they do it on a day-to-day basis, to tell you the truth. I think it's a wonderful thing. But, you know, Nevada continues to be uh, uh, poorly ranked as far as education. Uh, you, you, had, you had mentioned that you thought uh, the change in the tax base uh, that occurred uh, many years ago was one of the primary causes for uh, the change in education here in Nevada. Yeah, we, we were always tied to the property tax and then around 1980 they changed like Proposition 13 in California, I don't know what we call it here, but we changed the formula and so our property tax is so low that we've had to subsidize it with gaming taxes and sales taxes and, and unfortunately those go up and down so every time we look like we're just coming out of the woods and we can start to increase things then a recession hits or pandemic hits or you know, who knows what it is, but there's always, it seems like every five years, we're just when we're really just like, oh, we can see the promised land, bam, something happens and, and we're back in the, well, in the hole. That was one of the goals that uh, you had in mind with the uh, legalization of marijuana was to provide a, an additional funding base for education, was it not? Yeah, and truthfully, it, it pays more, there's more money from, for education from, from marijuana than there is from alcohol. It's over a hundred million dollars a year, but the fact is that's still just a drop in the bucket. But it's 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 amazing. It just when you think of that, to just create a tax which we have never done in Nevada to create a hundred million dollars is, is, is was a huge decision. So I'm very proud of that. Do you do what other uh, funding sources do you see for education uh, here in Nevada uh, other than the the marijuana? Well, I would like to see uh, alcohol. I mean, uh, when we passed our marijuana thing, it was like treat marijuana like alcohol. Now my mantra is, mantra is treat alcohol like marijuana. Sure. So <laughs> let's 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 start to raise those taxes. I mean, we, you know, mar- alcohol. You your tax is based on the amount of alcohol as opposed to the. So a hundred dollar bottle of wine it pays the same tax as a three dollar. Oh, I didn't chunk. know that. Yeah. Oh. So, so it's it's just crazy. So let's start to treat you know tax the bottle of wine based on this the sale of it. I mean, there's a sales tax component for both marijuana, but but it's actual tax. It's, it's minimal, and um, there's no reason we couldn't, you know, put some kind of just a one or two or three percent tax on on, on alcohol uh, on the sales price, 
in addition to pay for something. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought, well, let's, let's, let's do something comparable to marijuana. So I said, well, what, how much alcohol do we sell? Well, we don't know. We don't, you know, even though you well, know, it has to be a lot. <laughs> Look at these casinos, yeah. right? But but I'm just saying, the, the Smiths, I'm sure, in their cash register, they they have a, a something sure. that says this. We just sold alcohol for that six pack for for ten dollars over this. But the state doesn't even know what that is. I, I didn't know that. I'm surprised. That I was shocked. It's like hello, what house? But those are the kind of things. Nevada, we are so backward. Um, uh, it just drives you crazy. But again, that's where we have the opportunity to come together and change things. But but um, it just, just boggles the mind that we wouldn't even know just the total amount of, of alcohol sales by county, by beer, by wine, by anything. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. just uh, bizarre. That, that's shocking. Uh, and that's another story. Maybe someday you and I can get on <laughs> and talk about it, how, uh, how uh, businesses tend to uh, use government to shift their cost of doing business off to the taxpayers rather than rather than them paying their fair share. You know, we have a room tax of fifteen uh, percent, which generates a ton of money. Yeah. But by law, the tax stays on the strip, so they have to use that money to to rebuild the roads coming in. Uh, it's just every other city would have a room tax that would be for the opera, for this cultural event, for whatever. That's right. That's not not Nevada, so it's. And the hotels figured out a long time ago, if we can control the system, then, then whatever taxes we use, we just use it to, to benefit ourselves. Which, again, it's nothing wrong with that in the short term, but ultimately, let's spread the wealth out and, and just make sure that, that everybody benefits, not just a few out-of-state out of, out of landlords. Yeah, yeah, like uh, better education. So anyway, ask me that after November, after I'm reelected. You're, you will be, <laughs> I, I, no doubt in my mind. And, uh, and I want to thank you so much for taking uh, uh, some time out of your busy schedule. And it's wonderful seeing you again. Uh, haven't seen you enough. Exactly. So we're, we're both alive. So <laughs> <laughs> Every day it's a blessing, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. 